sermon is uh, Dancing with Grace. There it is. Dancing with Grace. And uh, I kind of had a, a different thought. You know, and as I, I, I think about worship, and, and that's really where the sermon went this week, I think about worship and sometimes how hard it is and what we have to put on to get to worship and how, you know, God, God created us to worship. We're, we are worship beings. We are fashioned to worship. You ever get something out of obligation? And sometimes it's beautiful. I mean, a Valentine's card. Valentine's Day is like a day of obligation. It's not so much are you going to give a card. It's how nice a card is it. Because you have to give the card. So, I mean, really, you don't have to, but if you have any smarts, you'll give the card. <laughs> you know. Um, so in a way, you have to. It's like a holy day of obligation. And when you get the card, it's meaningful. It's meaningful because, you know, you, you search through the rack and you found just the right one and, and you tried to make it special. But is it as meaningful as the card just in the middle of, you know, any time that's not special? When you get something special for Christmas, it's, it's nice. But is it as special as what you get when it's not Christmas or Mother's Day or Father's Day? You know, those days of almost obligation, they're okay. But what's really special is when you receive something that you're not obligated to do. It comes right from the heart because it's a choice. No one chose for me. I get to make a choice. That's how worship is. Worship that is without choice is not really valuable. It's not truest expression of worship. If our worship was just automatic, if I get up and I look at my phone and my phone tells me, this is your birthday, happy birthday, and because it's an automated program that knows that, that doesn't mean as much to me as when Donna comes up and says, happy birthday. Or I get a call from somebody from somewhere that I haven't talked to in years, and they say, I know this is your birthday. Happy birthday. That means so much. So for God to make us to worship him, to create us as worshiping beings, the idea of choice comes into play. Because if we didn't have choice, if we were just created to worship and that's all we would did, like some kind of automatron, some just program that just had to worship. How valuable of worship would that be? How special would it be? I mean, the heavens declare the glories of God. But how much more special when a person that knows him, that loves him, that he has saved and done so, how much more special when we who have choice worship him? And that answers a big question. Why would God ever give us choice knowing how we would go the wrong way with it? Knowing of the fall, knowing 
of our disobedience, knowing who we would become. Why give us free will and choice? Because his original plan for us was to be beings of worship and praise. And the highest worship and the highest praise, the most valuable worship and the most valuable praise is that that comes from a being capable of, with free will and capable of choice. And so he gave us choice and free will. But we know how it went, don't we? So how do you get pure, true, full, rich worship out of beings with free will and choice that went the crazy way? How does it how do the two reconcile? How does God did he know what he was doing? Oh yeah. Grace is the answer. Grace is the method. Grace is the way that God chose to reconcile a being with free will and choice that has gone the wrong way with his intended plan for us, which was to give him worship, to fulfill our highest calling, the purpose we were made for. Grace is that that bridges the gap. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is just plain old his goodness to us. He loves us so much that he bridges that great gulf, that great vast expanse between us being preachers of high praise and worship and us being creatures with free will and the ability to choose who have gone the wrong way. Grace bridges the gap. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to begin at verse 1 and go to verse 9. It says, And you he has made alive, quickened. You were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we, I love that Paul says we, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come 
he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You may be seated if you like. Free will takes us to sin. Grace takes us to God. He gives us free will so we can choose. He gives us grace so that we can choose to worship. Why dancing with grace? Well, there's a lot of different examples, I guess, of an interaction between two. But probably dancing is the easiest one to explain. After all, it takes two to tango, right? I don't think they're tangoing, but I wouldn't know a tango if I saw one. Grace came as an invitation to dance. Until you say yes, you just sit there all the time. When I was a young guy, I, I, I didn't know how to dance and I didn't know how to ask. So between the two of them, I used to stand around a lot. And, and not dance and watch other people dance. And um, then, you know, after a while, you have to learn something. And so I, I tried to figure it out. Uh, but until you say yes, you don't get to dance. You can just sit there all night. Faith lets us reach out to that hand and accept the invitation of grace. And, and unless you say yes to all the people that come by, you don't get to dance either. I want to give you an example. It says... Well, she was just 17. And you know what I mean. And the way she looked was way beyond compare. And I'll never dance with another. And I saw her standing there. And my heart went boom as I crossed the room. And I took her hand in mine and we danced through the night and we held each other tight and before too long I fell in love with her now I'll never dance with another but I saw her standing there yeah Since I saw her standing there. Now, that's a 1963 song, but hey, what are you going to do? Those are the ones I know. I want to talk about the interaction between grace and us. How grace brings us to the one who loves us. From our free choice, it bridges that gap. I want to talk about grace. The grace that brings us from a place that are dead. In in Ephesians 2, you who were dead in trespasses and sins, you who were part and alienated from God and part of a system under the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil, if you don't know who that guy is. Who were part of his ways, who had a mind full of corruption and lust, who were full of death. How, how, How grace could take us from that place and introduce us to 
to, to, to God, to his love. It started as a product of love. The love of God is so great that it comes to us, that he, 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 he refuses to leave us there. He had to allow us to go there. To fulfill our calling, which is our calling is to worship. He had to allow us to go there that we might have choice, that we might of our own volition choose to receive him, to accept him, to worship him, to live in him, to accept this life, this gift, this sight, this light. He gave us this, but to reconcile, to pull us out of that. He had, I mean, how would he do that? How could his love alone could not do that? But his love alone is matched by his, his justice, his, his righteousness, his, his inability to, to, to receive sin, to have sin in his presence, to, to, to be part of it. But his grace, his grace, a product of his love, his grace as I, I know where you're at. I know who you are. And my love is compelling me to have favor on you. Favor not to just say, ah, don't worry about it, but favor. His love was so great that he gave his only begotten son. He paid that price and he was able to come and to stick out his hand like I stuck out my hand to Donna. I took her hand in mine. Verse 5 says, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Grace is the introduction of Christ. Grace is the holding out of God's hand. It is, the, it is his introduction to us. It is ways of saying, I know where you're at. But I love you. And I want to bring you life You has he quickened, you has he made alive. He brings us life and he stretches out his hand and he gives us opportunity for choice. Let me tell you, for by grace you're saved through faith. I call this the glimpse of grace. I've talked about it. I don't know if I talked about it on a Sunday morning. The glimpse of grace is is where we don't know God. We don't want to know God. We don't even believe that there is a God sometimes. And what he does is he introduces himself. We never introduce ourselves to God. Our condition, our depravity, our evil, our wickedness, our captivity of our mind, our blindness is such that we never introduce ourselves to God. It is beyond our capacity, our capability. We don't have it in us. Our depravity is such that if he doesn't come to us, we will never meet him. But he does come to us. His love compels him. His grace pushes him. He comes to us and grace comes in our face and he puts, he doesn't show us everything. He just shows us enough. Here I am. Paul was on the ground on the road to Damascus, blind. And he heard the voice. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he said, who are you, Lord? I don't see you. I don't know you. I don't understand who you are. Who are you? I'm willing to know. I am Jesus who you persecute. Oh, that's all he had to hear. 
Grace brings us introduction to someone that we didn't know, we may have known of, or we may have denied his even existence. Grace brings God before us, and it shows a little light of just who he is, just enough for us to see, it's you, it's Jesus, it's God, it's the creator. And then faith, saved by grace through faith, faith kicks in, and faith lets us stay, either yes or no. We either exercise that choice when confronted with grace, when confronted with God. We either exercise that choice and say, yes, I will serve you, or no, I don't want to hear about it, leave me alone. Saved by grace through faith. Grace is the introduction to God who loves us, who paid the price for us, who wants relationship with us, who created us for a high, high purpose, and who wants us to fulfill that height of that purpose fullness of his intention for us, wants us to be creatures of worship like we were made to be. And he comes down and introduces himself. That's grace. The work of faith that we do, all it is is to see him right before us and to respond and say yes. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done. It's not by anything that we do. We add nothing to it. If we add anything to it, we add pollution and corruption to it. And that's why you're not adding a thing. I made this omelet. And I made this omelet good. And you can't help because you're going to wreck it. Because this is my special secret recipe. And anything you add to it, put those spices back in that cupboard. It's perfect. And you can't add to it because you're only going to destroy it. Grace is the outstretched hand of God to us. It is his invitation to us. Grace invites us to be who he made us to be, who he called us to be. He invites us, grace invites us to rise to the lofty position of our creation, of why we were made in the first place. Grace invites us to a position of worship. Grace invites us to a place before him. That's the first thing it does. When I reached out my hand to her, that's the part of that song that kind of makes me think of grace. I took her hand in mine. And verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. And And the second part of the song says, And I held her tight. And verse 6 says, and he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Another thing that grace does, it takes us beyond invitation. Some gods only give you an invitation. The God of gods, real God, capital G God, Lord of lords. God brings us more than an invitation. He brings us an invitation to heavenly places. He brings us an invitation. Grace will bring us to places you never imagined. It will not only bring us out of the pit, out of death into life. Grace brings us places. The goodness of God that we don't merit or or understand or deserve will bring us places. And we don't dream of them because we know that we are undeserving. 
We don't have merit. We don't rate it. And it's, it's amazing to us because why would God do things that we don't deserve? I just want what I deserve. No, I, I don't want what I deserve. Oh, God, I don't want what I deserve. I want, I want grace. I want grace because grace will bring me places. It will lift me higher. It will do things in my life. Grace is God's desire to bring you into heavenly places. Grace is God's desire to not just save us, but leave us in a mess waiting for the rapture. Grace is God's desire to do work in our lives, to bring our minds to a high and lofty place, to bring our bodies to a higher and lofty place, to bring our outlook and what we are and our impact on our world and our impact in our family and our own life itself to bring us to a much higher place. Not an existence, not a subsistence. But a richness, a fullness in the grace of God. John, in the, in the first chapter of John, he says, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And he brings us from grace to grace. And that statement could just keep on going. To grace, to grace, to grace, to grace. The great things that God does in our life, he does by grace. The place that God has for you, he has by grace. We attain it by grace. The ministries, the callings, the gifts, the anointings are by grace. We don't attain them by our own works, by our own ways, by what we do. We attain them by the grace of God. Just his unmerited favor, just God's goodness comes on us. And it's just not enough that you saved me. Oh, but he says, no, no. What I have is richer than that. I have more than that. The grace is deeper than that. I have things for you that you've never imagined or dreamed. I have a place for you that's higher than that. And I'll bring you through the stuff you're in. A lot of times the stuff we're in is just God's way of getting, you know, it's like you take your car through the car wash. Those of you who go through those ones with the spinning brushes and stuff, you want it clean, you go through the brushes. Your car doesn't like those brushes. You know, especially after my truck has been through it in like in November when it's caked in mud from going in the woods. But you know something? We don't like those brushes. But God brings us through stuff that sometimes we don't like because he has a plan for us. And that plan is squeaky clean and beautiful coming out the other side. God's grace brings us through stuff. God's grace lets us stand in a pit of lions and watch them over there. And it's like, (laughs) this is cool. Hungry lions. God's grace brings us through stuff. It elevates us. It carries us. It lifts us. It brings us into heavenly places. You know something? We need some heavenly places. We need heavenly places. Do you need heavenly places? Do you need to go there? Are you content with where your life is at? And you can say yes and that's okay. But I want, we get content sometimes because we don't see higher. But God has higher. He has heavenly places for us. He's got, he's got an extent, a reservoir, a well. It's like, I'm, I'm overly content sometimes. 
My wife knows this. She says, I have no ambition. <laughs> and, and she's right. She's right. Because I'm so content. I'm always happy, usually. But God has so much more for us. He has things that, he has things that we can't imagine. Sometimes we're sick so long we can't imagine being better. Sometimes we're depressed so long we can't imagine being free in our minds. Sometimes we get so used to our family situation that we think that's the way it's just supposed to be. Sometimes we get so used to situations we think that's just how it is. But it's not necessarily that way. There's grace in a marriage that can turn like a, like a, a ride through the spooky house at Rocky Point into like a beautiful ride on those horses that go up and down. What do they call that? Ferris. Ferris. Merry-go-round. Not a Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel goes like this. The merry-go-round is the horses that go up and down, beautiful painted horses, right? The carousel. Instead of the horror ride. God expects and wants us to, to go there takes our marriages that are busted and broken, takes our relationships that are crazy and hanging on by a thread, takes our, our mind that, that's just like barely, we just can't cope, and he wants us to be blessed in heavenly places, and you can't imagine it, but the grace of God can, and he wants to take us there. God wants to take us there. He has places above where we're at. Verse 5, he has raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has a place at the table that is for us. And he says, you know, in one place, he says, don't, don't go sit into the high place at the table and have to be put down. Sit at the lower and let him call you and raise you up. We've been sitting at the lower long enough, and he's calling you today and saying, I want you to come up here. I have a place higher for you to sit. Don't sit at the end. I, I appreciate that you did that. I appreciate that humility, but I want you to come up here. I have a spa- place of specialness for you. I have a place in heavenly places for you. I have somewhere a little higher up for you. I want you to come up here. Don't hold that seat. Don't think that there's no other seat. Don't be afraid to get out of that seat and move up because God's grace is calling us up today. I love the language that Paul uses. Paul is not a you preacher. Paul is an us and we preacher. He says, we were dead in trespasses and sins. And he's quickened us together with Christ By grace we're saved. And he raised us up together. And he made us to sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. In him. Hallelujah. In him. In that ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Not only is an expression of, of uh, and I will hold her tight, and, and, but before long, I fell in love with her. That's verse 7. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. 
Grace brings us into relationship. You can't love him without grace because you can't see him without grace. And you can't love who you don't know. You can think you love. You can have some kind of infatuation um, with someone you don't know. But you can't really love them until you know them. We can't love God until we come to know God. And the more we know God, the more we love God. You can't love him when you only know of him. You can say you do, but it's a very shallow, shallow love. Love is a product of familiarity. Being close will either make you love or hate. And when we, through grace, get to know him, get to see him, get to experience him, get to live in him, get the fullness of who he is, when we come to that place through grace, our love is enhanced. Everywhere you see tremendous worship in scripture, it's a product of seeing him. Whether it's Moses, excuse me, in the cleft of the rock, or Isaiah in his vision, or Ezekiel, or, or, or Jeremiah, or any of them, or John in Revelation chapter 1, anywhere where you see a great expression of worship, it's because they're in his presence. Even the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, when they saw him transfigured before them, Their place of worship was heightened. Worship is a product of knowing him. And knowing him is something that grace brings us to. It goes beyond a mere introduction. It goes beyond a mere take my hand and let me show you, let's dance. It goes beyond that. It goes to the place where, and before too long, I fell in love with her. Grace goes to the place of when I get to know who God is, when I know him, when I really know him, when I look in his word and I just don't read some stuff and some doctrine and some history. When I read his word and he touches my soul and and he brings me and elevates me and he's communicating with me and he's sharing who he is with me. And he causes me to fall in love. That's a product of grace. That's the unmerited favor of God. He doesn't have to do that. He does because he loves us. Grace carries us to a place where our eyes that were blind can see. I once was blind, but now I see. Oh, hallelujah. I have something. I don't have just a song from 1963. I have something even more dated than that. Something ancient, ancient manuscripts from a time past. I have something that many of you don't know what this is. This is called a hymn book, a hymnal. It is ancient, ancient relic of a bygone era. And in it, there are words with notes, notes to be sung. And there is a song on page 57 of what we would call the blue book. And it says, um, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." I don't need this because this is in me. Because I'm too a product of a bygone time. (laughs) I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. 
was lost and now I'm found. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And you know the last, the last verse says, when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, I've no less days to sing his praise than when I first begun. Grace brings us to a place in the heavenlies here and in the heavenly later. It brings us to a familiarity. It brings us to a love of God. It brings us to a place where we know him and can experience him and love him. Grace brings us there. Say yes. We said yes to the initial hand that was outstretched. We say yes as we dance and we interact with God. When you dance, you have to, you have to be in, in the same time. You have to know your part. You can't lead if you're not supposed to be the one leading. God is leading. Don't step on his toes. Follow. Submit. Let grace work in us that as he leads, we can go for the ride and dance along. Grace, the dancing with grace is because grace is a two-way street. It requires us to move and flow in with grace, to let grace teach us, to let grace elevate us, to let grace carry us and lift us, to let grace introduce us, to let grace let us come to know who he is, to let grace flow on us as we read the scripture, to let grace flow over us as his spirit deals with us. He says his spirit will not always strive with man. The difference is grace. Even Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It says every thought in chapter 6 of Genesis, every thought and imagination of man was only evil continually. That doesn't leave any room at all as I see it for goodness. But, and, and then he says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it says in the next verse, verse 8, and Noah was a righteous man before God. How did it go from every thought and imagination? A man was only evil continually, not a single thought or imagination of goodness, to all of a sudden, and Noah was righteous in the eyes of God. Grace. Don't, don't let anybody kid you about the Old Testament, that it's like, grace is all over from every page. It's on every page. A couple times ago, we were talking about Jonah, and we talked about that word hesed. It's on that back wall, the loving kindness of God. And we talked about how it was grace. And Jonah didn't want to go. Why? Because he knew. He knew who God was. He knew who God was. His very nature, his very being, his very essence. He knew who God was. He knew what he was about. And he knew he was going to forgive this people. He knew his mercy would prevail. He knew that his grace would shine out onto them. He knew it and he didn't like it. He needed a little more, he needed a few more dance lessons. But uh, grace, grace, we dance with grace. It carries us into a higher place. 
It carries us beyond an introduction, beyond, yeah, would you like to dance? Well, yeah, I would like to dance. It takes us so far beyond that. It takes us together with him. It takes us into the heavenlies. He's raised us to be in heavenly places. And he says that he might show the exceeding riches of his glory, of his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. His kindness is beyond our imagination, is beyond our comprehension. But he wants to take us there. He wants to teach us some steps that we don't know, that we're not familiar with. And some, you may think you've got it together. I want you to know something. There are riches. There are riches untold. There are things that God has for us that that you can't imagine because I can't tell you what they are because I don't know what they are for your life. And frankly, I'm not fully aware of what they are in my life. All I know is that his light keeps shining them. And if I will keep following, if I will keep in step with him, if I will not say my feet hurt, I'm going to sit down. I want to sit this one out. Leave me alone. I don't want to dance with you anymore. I will come to where they are. And then lastly, and I'll never dance with another because I saw her standing there. Grace will, will, will finish the work in us. For by grace he is saved, verse 8, through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21, I will not frustrate the work of grace. I will not try to do it myself. What only God could do, I will not frustrate it. I will not try to take the lead and make everything stumble. I will not say, I got to sit this out. I'm tired. I can't dance. I don't like this song. Forget it. I'm going to sit down. Grace will continue and let him lead me home. Grace will not say, you brought me this far by faith, but now I've got it. I'm going to go the rest of the way. Don't say to grace, I've got it. You brought me here, but now I'm capable. You've lifted me, and now I'm good. I'm good enough. Leave me alone. Don't break off the dance until the dance is done, because grace wants to take us home. And without the grace of God... We don't make it. There have been many that ran well for a time. And then what happened? In that same Galatians, Paul would say to them in chapter 3, the first few verses, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should turn from the grace that saved you? That you were saved, but Now you think you can do it yourself. You think it's by works. We get so wrapped up because God saved us and we had nothing to do with it except saying yes. But then we think as we go along that I have to do something and I have to maintain a position of salvation, a position in God based on what I do. He didn't save you based on what you do. He doesn't keep you based on what you do. What you do is insufficient. It's no good. It's garbage. All our righteousness is as filthy rags, Isaiah would say. What we do doesn't bring us home. It doesn't doesn't get it done. What God does, did the work. What we do, it, it adds nothing to it. But it's natural for us to get to a place that we think, now I'm going to start adding my own. Get that paprika out of your hand. Put it back on the shelf. 
God is saying, I got this. I've got this. You add nothing to it. And we get so, we get down, we get depressed, we, we, we bump our head against the wall because we think that things aren't working, but things are working. The problem is we get in the way. I get in the way with my way, with my righteousness, with my holiness, with my works. He didn't save me by my way. He didn't save me by what I do, by what I bring to the table. He saved me by his grace. He raised me by his grace. And he will keep me by his grace. And don't get to the place where you think, now I have to do. It's not how it was. And it's not how it is. And it's not how it will be. Ride that surfboard. That's what we have. We don't have a motorboat. We have a surfboard. Stick your toes off the end and hang ten Go back, do in the middle, flip around, do anything you want. Ride that surfboard on the wave of grace in the Holy Spirit. But don't try to put a motor on the back and motor it around your own way. It does not work. Grace. Grace. Wonderful grace. Coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. Hallelujah. I have to look that one up. I don't know all the words. <laughs> Stand with me. God has given us the highest gift, He has elevated us to the highest place, and He's given us choice. That choice equates to pure, powerful, fervent worship. Grace takes us by the hand and leads us there. It leads us to fulfill the calling of God in our lives. It leads us to accomplish what God has made us for. It brings us to a place where we are in such a position where we can worship him with the most powerful worship the most powerful praise. Grace does that for us. Our part is just to say yes. Yes. Will you dance with me? Yes. Will you allow me to lead? Yes. Are you going to quit in the middle of the dance? Are you going to let us finish? Yes, yes, yes. And then he says at the end of the dance, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) can I take you home yes 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 allow him to work in our lives grace has a wonderful thing for you God has great plans for you God has has, God wants to move in you and your marriage and your children God wants to move in your employment situation God wants to move in every area of your life Let him say yes. Dance with grace. Embrace it. Embrace it and dance with grace. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you for your love, your great love that causes you to do what you did to make that sacrifice 
that we could have relationship with you. I pray, God, you let your grace just flow through our soul. Introduce us to you. Lift us to the highest heights in the heavenlies. Let your grace carry us to a a place close to you, close to your heart, where worship is true and pure and, and, and spontaneous. It's what we are. It's who we are about. Let us go to that place, God. And let us not frustrate your grace by getting in the way. Have you way with your people this morning, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.